0: There is a fifth dimension beyond that which is known to man. This is the dimension of imagination. It is an area which we call the Twilight Zone. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Twilight Highlights Zone. I'm your host Jeff Cork, joined today by my what a, what a my surprise guest Ben Hansen. Hey,
1: Jeff Cork, what are we doing in this
0: room? Ah, oh, come on, we're going through the entire run of the show, and uh, yeah, right now we're on season. Three. This big is our...
1: De- yeah, the big debut on season three. Yeah.
0: So, so let's talk about the opening of season three. Now we've got like a crazy doom spiral.
1: And we have the classic Twilight Zone music. Yeah, yeah. it's a much more grading intro. Also, the word be- Twilight Zone shatters when it appears on screen. It's pretty funky. And yeah. we're watching this on Hulu now. Right. And you don't need Hulu Plus, which is cool. So we were doing it on Netflix before, but mm-hmm. apparently they're all on Hulu Basic. Yeah. The free version, which is something we really should have researched and been... <laughs> <laughs> publicizing the entire time instead of segmenting our yeah. audience, our very small audience, by That's saying fine. you must have Netflix.
0: Well, here's the deal: if you have Amazon Prime, you can watch it without commercials. Okay. Oh,
1: is that what you're doing? Yes. See, I'm watching it on Hulu now. It's the first time I'm watching it with commercials, which changes the experience. The cliffhangers actually work, you know.
0: Yeah. So let's go into it. The season three opens with
1: God. Things have changed this season. Things
0: have really changed. My lord. Where is everybody? That's <laughs> what I'm thinking. So we got this episode is called Two, and we have a young Charles Bronson, and it opens actually, we, I'm skipping ahead, we don't see him at first, we see a, a young woman scouring around in post-apocalyptic world for food, finds some food, run, runs into a guy, as it turns out, they're from opposing sides of like the last remaining soldiers of this war that caused the obliteration of the world, they fight, they scuffle, they follow each other around, There's some misunderstandings. And then they decide to put their differences aside. And they call it a love story in the Twilight Zone, even though there's no kissing.
1: So the episode opens and they don't say anything. No. It's very quiet. They get in a fight, one where she throws a frying pan at his hands. And it hits his hands and he does not react. It feels like that frying pan weighs one pound.
0: Well, it's Charles Bronson.
1: Yeah, he's a tough dude.
0: He's a very tough dude.
1: (laughs) Uh, And then they struggle and... The struggle stands out because it is so quiet. They do not make a single mm-hmm. sound, especially when put alongside the struggle from the invaders where that lady never shut up. Ah, I hate her,
0: Cork. I know. <laughs> yeah, and he knocks her out, right? And yeah. then he, because he, he sees her going for some food, right? Mm-hmm. A delicious can of drumsticks. Exactly. Blah. <laughs> I know it's a black and white show, and just looking at these this food, I can't imagine... A less appetizing thing. Yeah.
1: No, I'm with you. Just
0: a can of drumsticks left over from the war. And he doesn't eat them all, though. Pours water on her and it shares them.
1: Yeah. So really... something that I'm confused about with this episode, it feels like as the episode's going on, they're like, they're looking at a lot of remnants from the past mm-hmm. and kind of being reminded what love is. Like, is that what they're going for? Like, he'd look at like a calendar with like a sexy lady on it and be like, hmm. And then he woke her up. By pouring water on her, yeah, or like she like way. she goes and she finds like a what does she a wedding find? dress or no. a, like some kind of dress. Yeah, and he wants her to put it on and stuff. And they're she, slowly being reminded of the past, right? That overwhelms them both, even though they don't speak the same language.
0: But then she goes into uh, like a recruiting office That's and right. sees that- all the posters from like you know join and here are our enemies and stuff like that. So and this earlier in the episode, they go to a movie theater. And it's like a romantic kind of movie. And then mm. they both notice there's skeletons that have weapons. And they grab the weapons. They don't. They point them at each other, but nothing really happens. She right? doesn't
1: fire the weapon until later. And it looks kind of like a World War II style so weapon. So here's the deal. Yeah. As soon as I see the weapon,
0: because I'm such a smarty pants, I look and I see the barrel's been filled. And uh-huh. I go to myself, ha ha, Twilight Zone. Your prop department stinks. Because <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. As it turns out, they're not the kind of muskets that I'm accustomed to, actually. They shoot...
1: Pew, pew, laser. And then they fall in love. They fall in love. Were you swept off your feet, Cork? No, not really. I will say she looked pretty cool when she was in her wedding dress, and she had the gun, and she had the knife. Like yeah. I thought the, the design of the world, it was mm-hmm. simple, but I thought they did a really good job with that. Yeah. But the premise of two people falling in love after some awkward scuffles. Yep just because I think they both realize they're desperate and need to repopulate the Earth,
0: I guess is the idea. I don't know. I don't think they were thinking that far ahead. (laughs) He's Charles Bronson, and he looks like Charles Bronson, so she probably has to do some mental calculations like last dude on Earth.
1: And she is Samantha from Bewitched, right? Yeah, she looks great. Except a brunette version.
0: And her face is dirty.
1: And her face is... (laughs) And she speaks not quite Russian, but some...
0: Some kind of, yeah. Close enough to Russian. to it, right.
1: But Rod Sterling explains this could be in the future. could be two million years in the past. I find that highly unlikely. <laughs> he says the signs are in English, but that was just changed for our convenience because really it's in the Twilight Zone. Kind of like
0: the buttons on the panels in the special Death editions. It's, yeah. It's exactly like that. Okay.
1: Uh, so I ended up giving this one a five.
0: Really? I gave it an upside down nine. So the old Three. sixer.
1: Okay. That is, that is fair. I think this is a real contender for most average... <laughs> yeah episode mediocre, aggressively mediocre episode i have to season. say that
0: if the alien from we oh. <laughs> are going
1: this route this early cork
0: no i was gonna say no this has nothing to do with wheeling out the oh, the two-headed okay. martian but i think in much the same way if you were to take that drum of chicken yeah and made a character eat that while they were talking on any other episode of the twilight zone it would Reduce that episode by two points in my opinion oh, I, okay. I dislike that chicken so much
1: okay this is the grossest
0: thing and the can opened way too easy for them to eat it
1: mm-hmm. you know what i
0: mean it, it, she opened it with her hands and thinking mm-hmm. that stuff has got to be even worse than it was when it was fresh
1: and it's always shocking to me i feel like you see this when a hurricane's coming people clear out grocery stores mm-hmm. and all stores so quickly so like when yeah. there's something like this or even like from the last of us like when there's any remnant yeah. of food there it's just Who's going to forget one jar or one can? Well, they
0: hastily picked it up, held it in their hands. They're like, ah, oh, God, can drumsticks. <laughs> nope. And put it right back. There it would be like the, you know, oh, gross pumpkin pie filling. What am I going to do with this?
1: <laughs> All right. Next episode is called The Arrival. A plane lands at an average-looking airport. Uh, they bang on the doors of the plane. Turns out there's absolutely nobody in that plane. So they bring in the best investigator in the world, the equivalent of the wolf from Pulp Fiction. He comes in to try and solve the case of how this plane landed when nobody's on board. Eventually, get to the point where he comes up with a theory that it's mass suggestion and that there really is no airplane because they're all describing a different airplane. Uh, He tests out the theory by shoving his hand in the propeller. Plane disappears. Then everybody else disappears. He runs into the office to try and figure out what's going on. It turns out that he was the only one that imagined this plane and he's kind of going insane because he couldn't solve a similar case about this plane that crashed 17 years ago, and it's haunting him. And so he imagined that this plane landed. The end. Started out
0: cool. (laughs) This is, I agree with you, absolutely. This was one of those episodes where I was just like, where are they going with this? Because this is awesome. This is really cool. It has
1: the best setup where just one weird thing happens in a world that is otherwise played straight, a mm-hmm. super logical world. It's yep. just what would happen in the real world if a plane landed and just nobody was on it. Yep. And it's like, oh, i never thought of that. That's a kind of a cool thing. And then Rod Sterling, in the beginning was like key on stressing, like this is a puzzle Yeah, and we're going to give you 90% of the details. You have to figure out the rest. And so it's like, okay, my I am focused. I'm going to yeah. figure out what the hell's going on here.
0: And then like, there's the moment where they're, He's asking people to read the numbers on the plane, which I like that moment. It was just like, they are all reading different numbers. Yeah, and I was like, oh, this is great. I can't wait to hear what the explanation is.
1: I like that too. And it was weird that before that, they even led the idea of mass suggestion when he's talking about the different colored seats and everybody's describing different colored seats, which works surprisingly well in a black and white show. Mm -hmm. It's interesting if they thought of that back then, like, well, this is convenient. Let's talk about the color of the seats because no one knows what they
0: really are. That's a good point. My, I watch this with my wife, and she's just like, why didn't they use a broom handle on the propeller? <laughs> Seems like a less invasive,
1: potentially dangerous way to... Yeah, especially when the guy had to climb up physically into the airplane to start it. It's, it's plain really, ain't real. But it ain't real, but he's being supported by it. <laughs> yeah. So based on that, it's going to chop the crap out of your hand. Don't do this. But like you needed the good cliffhanger for yeah. the commercial break, and it worked. Yeah. This, if all you had cool up to that point.
0: This is another one of those episodes that relies on... A familiarity with a kind of like psychological phenomena that has since fallen out of favor. Like, yeah, mass suggestion. I think if you were to do like a man on the street, people would just look at you blankly. It's like, I don't even know what they're going for. With, yeah, I mean, I could like reverse engineer what it was, but the fact that so matter of fact, we're like, oh, this is just mass suggestion. You're like, oh, okay, this must have been like some kind of buzzword of the day or something. But
1: then that's not even the most unpredictable part. It's oh, like- it just. And falls then, apart. Yeah, it turns out that he failed that case, and it's like, well, if this is going to be a puzzle, you have to leave some breadcrumb for me to follow. Instead of this thing completely out of left field, mm-hmm. and then the next one also completely out of left field. That oh yeah, this is like yeah, King was, Nine will not return type thing, where it happened a long time ago and he can't recover. He was
0: yeah, he was Ramon, the reason that he imagined this plane was because a celebrity had landed on the exact same flight yeah. from Buffalo, landed safely, and that kind of triggered that memory for him. Yeah,
1: Flight One Hundred Seven or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, and also it was weird to me that he goes from being the most abstract thinker in the episode because of like that mass suggestion thing, mm-hmm. where he was really the rebel, yeah, of thought, to then being the most uptight conservative thinker when everybody else is like, we don't know what you're talking about. We know that you're a real guy, but mm-hmm. this is probably the case. And he just couldn't wrap his mind around that. But he just wrapped his mind around something much crazier than that. Yeah, and shoved his hand in a propeller, and now this is the weird part that he can't handle. And the the,
0: the strange thing too is that he walked into the hangar and started this investigation and then went into a building, had a press conference and all these other things. Yeah. Was he in the hangar just the whole time acting out this big pantomime? Or was he like going <laughs> to the place where they have the press conference and talking to an empty room and yeah. all this other stuff?
1: Yeah, I couldn't tell you. He really sells himself in that first press conference, though. He's, he is one cocky guy.
0: Oof, he's got all the answers. <laughs> so he says. So I have a question for you, Ben. Yeah. Let's look at the, the score that's on the wing of this plane.
1: Oh, the one in the room right now that we're recording in. Yeah. What do you, what number do you see? I think that it arrival? says four one zero one zero
0: three four three. You're killing it because I was gonna. This was my way to seg our way out of this abomination. You could just give me the score because I see three.
1: <laughs> uh you know what? Since I was so engaged for sixty percent of this, mm-hmm. I give it a six. Really? Yeah. I this did. is
0: one of those where I feel like. The twist was so stupid that it like it ruined my memory of having fun up until that point. Yeah. Because it was just completely phony.
1: I agree, it was really stupid. But I thought the acting was pretty solid and I still really like the idea of just that one curveball in mm-hmm. otherwise a completely believable world. And they handled it so well, like there was no shenanigans of like, we gotta hide this. Like right when that plane landed, it's like, Well, let's call the authorities, let's get him in here. It mm-hmm. he just transitioned and flowed in a very natural way up until the stupid twist. <laughs> All right. Uh sorry I didn't catch your segue.
0: That was the segue. Next up is the shelter. Gimme shelter, Cork. Here is the shelter. We start off in the suburbs. This is a place where nothing unusual ever happens on the Twilight <laughs> Zone. And a, a dinner party's winding down. The cake has been cut. Doctor's been honored. It's his birthday. Everyone's doing toasts. What a great doctor he is. Suddenly a little kid comes through and says, Hey Dad, they're uh there's something you got to hear on the radio. They get on the radio and it says, Hey, there's been some kind of unidentified flying object. If you have a bomb shelter, get your booty in there. Otherwise, get in your basement, draw the blinds and wait it out. Doctor has a bomb shelter. They're in- making
1: fun of him for. Earlier. Exactly.
0: So he runs down with this family. Uh, they're hanging out. Suddenly the neighbors realize they want a piece of that sweet bomb shelter. Also, they begin banging on the door and let us in, let us in. He says, no. And they say, come on. What about no? No. And then they decide, hey, you know, that guy's got a piece of pipe down the street. So they grab that piece of pipe from down the street, break the door open. Suddenly there's another thing on the radio and it says, hey, that was a false alarm. Everything is okay. Everything's okay. And they're left looking at the ruin that they've created among themselves.
1: There was devastation that day and the devastation was in their personal lives. Yeah. That was the lesson. Yeah. How quickly did you predict what was going to happen? Outside of the fact that like it's called The Shelter and it starts in a suburb, so you know mm-hmm. that premise. But what were your odds going through of that bomb going off versus not going off?
0: I have to admit, they, they remade this one for the, the new run of The Twilight. I call it the new run, but like yeah. in, the, in the 80s. 80s. And yeah. you remember that one? Yeah.
1: Was there any changes that you remember? I just remember the the
0: basic conceit of it. Okay. So, yeah, I kind of knew this one. I guess Um,
1: I I knew uh, the Simpsons episode, Bart's Comet, mm -hmm. which I realize now is just a parody of this this exact episode. So I assumed maybe that informed my opinion because the comet ends up not hurting anybody at the end of that.
0: Yeah. They do some pretty good stuff in this, though, even if you kind of know what's going to happen in the end, though. There's like a nice neighbor against neighbor, like, hey, you're not even one of us. You know, some kind of casual racism thing going on there. Yeah, yeah. and and. The entire time, it's almost like, uh, uh, I got to tread lightly here. If you're a fan of the television program, The Walking Dead, uh-huh, perhaps there's a similar mentality where, hey, that guy has a safe place. I want to be in a safe place. Right. Let's ruin the safe place so that we can all be inside the safe place.
1: But what was confusing in this episode is they're all together yes. at that birthday party where they're... Singing happy birthday. Right. The episode opens with a weird musical rendition of happy birthday. Uh, (laughs) Royalty free. Yeah. (laughs) But then they get the announcement on the radio and they all scatter. It like cuts to commercial. And Mm -hmm. when it comes back, it's like, okay, well, we're just going downstairs by ourselves. And then the neighbors slowly start trickling in. Where do the neighbors think they're going? They knew that their basement was garbage. They were in the place already with the bomb shelter. Just go downstairs right away. Well, I think they
0: were getting their kids.
1: Oh, Because you guess remember, that makes like, sense. at
0: first it was just a grown up only party.
1: They're all pretty hammered. Exactly. I and, thought it had good drunken banter in that episode. They're all believable and kind of talking over each other. And-
0: yeah. And really, at first, they don't set the doctor up to be a very sympathetic character because he's ta- they're talking about, like, banging away up at all hours of the night, pouring concrete and hitting on stuff with a hammer. And he calls like-
1: him a dirty dog.
0: What a jackass. I mean, like, neighbors... I mean, we have neighbors, you know, obviously, because I don't live on the moon. Yeah. And when they mow the lawn before 9 o'clock, it's annoying. Uh It's just rude.
1: Plus, he's too ugly for his hot wife. He looks like a fat John Lithgow. There's a lot of things wrong with this guy.
0: His wife immediately is just like, let's just shoot our faces off. Let's just... (laughs) I don't want to live in this world. And you're like, really?
1: You haven't even locked up the bombshells yet. That's another thing that drove me nuts is it took him forever they're just kind of going downstairs, filling the, you know, mason jars up with water and whatnot. Mm-hmm. It's like they took their sweet time for not knowing when these bombs were coming yeah. to get inside and lock that door. Right. And
0: I don't know if you've ever moved into a house and had mm-hmm. to move a mattress, like a large mattress. It sucks. So they moved that, that long pipe effortlessly. Yeah. yeah like pretty good into a room and around a corner and down some stairs and stuff. I was marveling at that. Maybe yeah. it's because I've, Boring grown up, but I was just like, "Wow, those guys are coordinated." They kind of deserve to be able to to break through that door, which buckled at just just the merest suggestion that people wanted inside. So you wonder, eh, maybe this bomb shelter, maybe you could have banged away a little more.
1: <laughs> it was a set from the Twilight Zone, it turned out. Yeah, uh, I like that the neighbors slowly turned. It wasn't like mm-hmm. mass hysteria right away. It was mm-hmm. like a picking off, where it's like, "Oh, this guy, he's your best friend. You go talk to him." And then yeah. that guy was even slowly converted over time, and they're yeah. punching each other. There was that one guy who kind of looks like Rod Serling, the skinny guy. Oh, yeah. He was in a previous episode, but I couldn't figure out which one it was. Uh, I want to say wanna... he was a pilot or something, but it's not yeah. important.
0: It's, it's interesting, too, because the first neighbor who knocks on the window, they kind of have a struggle, and they they fight over like the bottle of water, and it falls, yeah. and the guy is instantly apologetic. He's yeah. just like, hey, I'm sorry. uh uh-huh. I just have to think of my family,
1: and that kind of thing. It, there's only enough air in there they have like an air filter that can only support three people right was the idea yeah go figure i didn't understand what the kid was saying was on the radio they said like some line like uh turn to the comrade station yeah it was
0: it's a shortwave radio thing probably or whatever is it but it's confusing
1: it's the russians bombing us. i don't understand like did they take over the radio Well, they just said ufo
0: they kept it ambiguous
1: yeah which was good which Ah. is almost more confusing because then you expect aliens at a certain point But Mm -hmm. then they turned out to be satellites, we should mention. Yeah. Classic mistake. Classic mistake. Yeah, and then like after everything's all better, one of the neighbors is like, well, let's get back to normal and have a block party, huh? That'll that'll get everybody back on square
0: one. you think that they would have had a block party to raise enough money to make a bomb shelter for everyone (laughs) if it was that easy. And I kind of wish, too, that they didn't really show... They had this young son, Jimmy. They didn't show him, like, in his reaction to the whole aftermath.
1: Yeah, yeah, I just kind of let it go. Yeah. And then Rod Serling reminded us, "This sucks." I if, I th- yeah, this sucks. Do forget <laughs> if it's Rod Serling or the the John Lithgow character who says like, "Turns out we're all just naked wild animals." Which oh, does this like is someone
0: too that he also says like, "There's no moral here." Or-
1: Rod Serling says, "Yeah, no moral, no <laughs> message, no prophetic fact. Just we have to stay civilized."
0: That's really, like- there's no moral or <laughs> message here. <laughs> Because, I don't know. Nice
1: try, Sterling. You can't just say that at the yeah. end of the super cheesy episode. This next episode doesn't have a moral, but... Hey, maybe
0: we could talk about what, we, uh, what what kind of score do you give shelter to in this uh, episode?
1: I am going to put a tiny roof over a giant six.
0: Really? Yep. I'm looking at this. It looks like a... I don't know what you're saying. What does that number translate to? Oh, it's a six. It's a six? <laughs> yeah. You give it a six? Yeah. I was trying to like think that you were doing something cute with like the, the glyph. I gave it an eight.
1: All right. I like this one a lot. It is that basic monsters are due on Maple Street It is, again.
0: Yeah. It, it's a formula that they've they've done several times, but I think this is probably one of the more effective uses of it.
1: Yeah. I saw on Wikipedia that there was a review, which I feel like I should be doing more often, is going back and reading old reviews for these mm-hmm. from the day. I think that'd be fun, but I guess there was a review for uh, the arrival from Variety, or even back then, they were like, well, Twilight Zone has kind of <laughs> run its course. It's now just repeating itself. Oh, wow. It's running dry, running on fumes. And we're only in season three. So we'll see where it's going here.
0: Well, maybe those hour-long episodes next season will... Shake it up. up. Yeah, we'll see. Anyway.
1: Uh, next one is called The Passerby. This one is at the end of the Civil War. There's a bunch of soldiers marching by this lady's house. The lady looks like Sam B from The Daily Show. Uh, One guy wants to drink water, so they stop. They talk about her dead husband from the Confederacy for quite a while. Uh, Some more guys walk by. She realizes that one of the soldiers is a Union soldier. She tries to shoot him with a shotgun, and then it turns out that the shot went right through him and that he's dead. And then her husband comes walking down the road. He's also dead. Uh, And then it turns out the guy that stopped for water is also dead. And then it turns out that she's dead, and then Abe Lincoln comes by the last, <laughs> the last soldier to die in the Civil War. They say, and uh, she refuses to move on. And then he convinces her, and they eventually walk off. And it turns out this road is the River Styx, or the passage to heaven, and the end.
0: Wouldn't John Wilkes Booth be hot on Abe Lincoln's tail <laughs> if uh, you have people from both sides, right?
1: Yeah, that's true. Well, did John Wilkes Booth die? Did they kill him? Yeah. I, I wish that previous episode back then touched on the end of John Wilkes Books. I don't remember what happened to him. I assume they hung him. Right? Yeah, didn't knew,
0: they like corner him in a barn? Yeah,
1: I knew that he ran away and it was this crazy chase and whatnot. Uh, I was really excited to see Abe Lincoln at the end of this. Yeah. Because it, <laughs> it was reminded, a really
0: good Abe Lincoln, I will say.
1: Pretty solid Abe Lincoln. It reminded me a lot of season one, Passage for Trumpet. Mm-hmm. that absolute horrific episode with a certain actor who will be coming up very soon. Yes. Uh, And at the end of that one, there is an Abe Lincoln character and I thought it was Abe Lincoln mm-hmm. and it turned out to be the Angel Gabriel. Yep. This time it's Abe Lincoln and it is Abe Lincoln.
0: So here's a question. Yeah. Our hero walks with a crutch, right? Yeah. That guy who, the phantom that she shoots with a shotgun He's in silhouette, you don't see him, but he does show his face briefly and it is horrible. It's just
1: like peanut butter smeared all over just his like eyes. This is like a big nasty
0: face wound, right? Yeah. So obviously you you take it with you while you're walking it's with it, right? a horrible message, yeah. So why doesn't Abe Lincoln have like a hole in his hat at the very least? He looks yeah. he looks like he really made it out of Ford's Theater in one handsome or like piece. Like
1: a, a Steve Martin arrow through his head. Yeah, or something. Yeah, maybe he's he's so dignified and yeah. they needed him to be the poetic cap on the entire episode because, like, of course he's Abe Lincoln, and so he speaks very eloquently and he quotes Shakespeare, Chaucer, or something as he's trying to convince her. So I was confused. He said that she died of the fever. Is that what it was?
0: The husband said that.
1: Yeah. Oh, okay.
0: I didn't die, and she like falls back and spirals around into her stupid swinging chair.
1: I didn't know that gambling addictions were (laughs) going to kill somebody, Mrs. Franklin. (laughs) This one, like when he's like, hey, can "I can have a drink
0: of water," and it was like one of those thirsty Twilight Zone episode uh-huh. guys where he's like ah, drinking from a ladle, classic, and then like uh, like puts it puts the dirty ladle back in the well, uh-huh. and then he he sits a spell, he <laughs> takes his old old guitar box out and yeah. plays, and it is the worst song. It's <laughs> terrible, and not he does that, and then she like takes notice, and then he. He goes, oh, okay, and then he then he does it again, and it uh-huh. is there should be a chorus of dead cats. They immediately <laughs> start squealing
1: and running down the road to heaven. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, did you know where this one was going? Yes. Okay, right when they try and stop that first soldier.
0: No, right when they were walking past in really? single file line. This one was like almost immediately. I was just like, oh yeah, they're all dead.
1: And you got? Did you get that she was dead? Because I didn't expect that. I expected her husband to come by. Because it's a lot of Sam.
0: It good, oh, I just wanted, Dolores, I just wanted to say I do declare my love for you. No, I I didn't know nor care whether or not she was alive or dead. (laughs) But
1: I did like in this episode that it was from the Confederate perspective. That was just a small little detail. That was kind of cool. Yeah. A couple sympathetic characters from the South. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, it reminded me of Metal Gear Solid 3 with the sorrow Mm -hmm. where all the people that you've killed walk by you. Yeah.
0: That was a perk. That was a perk. That's probably, I didn't even think of that. And that's the only thing I like about this episode. <laughs> <laughs> and Abe Lincoln, like Surprise Abe Lincoln. Yeah. Was pretty
1: great. You can't fight Surprise Abe Lincoln. No. I'm surprised I rated this one so highly, but I'm looking at my notes and it turns out I gave this one a six.
0: Really? Yeah. Let's divide that one by two and you see right where I am on it.
1: All right. That's fair.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the last one in our five episode block Game of Pool featuring. No, not, not that.
1: We can cut that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, a game of pool. We'll start with a Jack Klugman, your your favorite actor. Mr. Trumpet himself. <laughs> Mr. Trumpet himself. He's in a pool hall playing all by himself. So he says, I am better than Fats Brown. And I'm the best. I'm a great pool player. But all they want to do is talk about Fats Brown. So that, suddenly we go up to heaven. And you hear paging Fats Brown, you're wanted in some pool hall. And Jonathan Winters, Fats Brown, packs up his pool queue, and goes down to this place and says, Hey, you challenged me, let's do it. Let's play one game of pool, make things interesting. You said, you're willing to bet anything for a chance to play me. How about this? We'll make a game of life or death. I win, you die. Uh, okay, so they do it. And they play and they play and, and it's the winning shot. And Fat says, hey, you know, you might be getting a little more than you're for if you win. And our hero says, F that. Sinks the shot. Wins. And he says, you're the best. Then next thing you know, we're back in heaven. And Jack Klugman, paging Jack Klugman, the actor, you, someone wants to play you now because you're the best. And now that he's the champion, whenever someone wants <laughs> thinks they're the best at pool, <laughs> they want to challenge the best person who ever played pool then Jack Klugman will come and they'll play. <laughs>
1: That's the lesson. All right, yeah. you mentioned you mentioned the fat's name, Jonathan Winters. What Jonathan else, Winters. What else is he in? I don't He's know like him. a
0: comedian. He's the guy who like was a huge inspiration for Robin Williams. Really, really manic. That was like a, a strangely subdued performance. He was great. He's a yeah. That guy's a like crazy comedian, like improv. Huh. He died within the past couple of years. Yeah.
1: Oh wow. It was weird because yeah, they called him Fats, but like I was really studying this. He just has a fat head. But like his body wasn't that fat. You seemed fatter, is yeah, what you're trying to say? Exactly, yeah. It is an is a unfair name. Uh, this episode starts out with the most clumsy exposition. It is so bad, where it opens with him in the pool hall by himself saying, Boy, I've trained all my life to be the best <laughs> pool player in the world. All I want is the chance to beat the best pool player in this world. Maybe yes. I can find a way to finally beat him, and then I can prove myself to myself. And then, lo and behold, yeah, he comes down.
0: Smoky heaven. <laughs> Old
1: Smoky <laughs> heaven. Old Smoky heaven.
0: <laughs> yeah, and you know, he's talking about to to Fats Brown about how much he's dedicated his entire life to it. He hasn't gone to the movie and movies in years. Has hasn't dated taken, anybody. No, he's slept on the pool table, which I'm pretty sure is bad for the pool table.
1: Yeah, that'd be kind of fun though. When he said that, I was like, oh, I would like to camp out on a pool table. I don't. Wouldn't trust it. It's a perfect bed. I'm not.
0: I'm no Fats Brown, but I wouldn't. <laughs> I would not trust.
1: I liked that it. he was bad at everything. Like he gave his whole sob story, and he mm-hmm. was just training for pool out of pure rage.
0: But to be fair, you're saying I I was a failure at everything, and then when I was sixteen, I came upon the pool. this said, like, "Wait a second! So you you sucked up until the the ripe old age of fifteen, <laughs> at which point you found your calling is a pool player."
1: Yeah, yeah, he's a cool guy. Also, I liked when Fats was talking about pool and how it should be fun, and he made a reference trying to sound like smart pool guy, where Mm -hmm. he's like, oh, it's all simple geometry. And then Klugman's like, geometry, what? He's (laughs) never even thought about the fact that pool is just geometry, and he's played this game 30 years straight. He's
0: never seen Donald Duck in Math Magic Land. (laughs) Come on.
1: Come on, Klugman. It's all angles. Yeah, yeah.
0: One of the things I I do like, though, is every time they have a a show or a movie when, when someone's like, Hey, look at me. I'm the best pitcher that ever was. And then the, I always like watching how they splice the actor versus the <laughs> thing that's actually being done. Yeah. They do it they don't even try to attempt to do it here, right? You there's, see a couple of shots
1: but There's one, yeah, where it's it's the shot that it needs to be and then the camera tilts up and it's clearly them doing it. That I was really impressed mm-hmm. by. But yeah, it's a lot of cutaways and close-ups on hands. Oh, there's but some
0: it, sweet some sweet pool. I'm not a pool like. No, oh, there was
1: not. But he, yeah, there
0: was. Where? Well, I can't remember the exact timestamp because uh, I was
1: watching and thinking like these what, guys should be better for being the best in the world. Come on,
0: nah. When okay, here's the deal: when Minnesota or Minnesota Fats Fats Brown is sorry to I, I'm sure Twilight Zone and writers had never heard of Minnesota Fats <laughs> when they created the completely original character of Fats Brown. <laughs> uh no, when he's it's the old fake out like. Hah. He's he's pretty good, but look, I'm I'm beating you up by a lot. Then he's just like, oh, whatever, and he just does like shot after shot after shot. Like the ball is like barely moved. The cue ball is like stopped, barely stopped, and then he's like hit another shot. It was
1: impressive. All right, that's fair. So the other thing I really liked about this episode is, I guess, the debate in Fats' head about Mm -hmm. whether or not he wanted to let go of the title. Yeah, because he was like trying to mess with them. For a little while, like yeah. dropping his pool cue to try and distract him. Yeah. And clearly he was trying, like he was sweating and going, mm-hmm. giving it his all. And then at a certain point, was he like testing him to see if he could stand up to it mentally? So I have
0: no idea what his end game was. Like maybe he, if he was really that tired, yeah. you think he would just let someone win.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So that he can go fishing as Rod Sterling explains at the end. Yeah. And then Fats went fishing. Well, but
0: the, he makes reference, though, that t- to rules that, like, someone's got rules that are beyond him.
1: Yeah, he says, like, you know, he gives him the warning, like, there's more than you are bargaining for. And he's like, oh, I was required to say that, just so you know. Yeah, so
0: maybe he's required to put up, like, a, a reasonable
1: show. Where he gets sent to hell. Yeah. Okay.
0: Where he has to fish.
1: I do like that
0: when he's, when Fats he, uh, Brown is talking about living a full life, he says, uh, you would, something to the effect of you wouldn't, you wouldn't, think of it by looking at me but i've made love to women and i've swam in the ocean yeah it's like
1: wow they've swam in your ocean fats oh your fat
0: stomach his body's a wonderland
1: and alice was it wolf (laughs) doesn't always work i wonder if he also wore long pants like the long distance call dad was dressed was a key part of life Girls wearing long pants,
0: swim in the ocean, making love to women, playing
1: pool. Yeah, getting a sweet nickname based on your physical appearance and color. Favorite <laughs>
0: favorite color? I don't know.
1: Uh, you know, this was a pretty average episode of the Twilight Zone. This was an episode of the Twilight Zone. It's weird because Jack Klugman has been on a lot, so it's weird that Jack Klugman is such a great actor and everybody loves him, but his. Two episodes so far in the Twilight Zone have been completely mediocre. Not as weird as I don't. You make an inordinate
0: amount of references to The Odd Couple for a, oh, man, yeah. for a man
1: of your age. Well, we just went on a trip and uh, I was rooming with a weirdo coworker, and then I kept whistling The Odd Couple. And no, then you did
0: this before. You've done this for like as long as I've known you.
1: I have seen thirty-seven minutes of The Odd Couple in my life. <laughs> they've
0: they've made quite the impression.
1: It's a it's a good theme. Yeah, I think more than anything else. Yeah. So what do you what do you? <laughs> Hot chat.
0: Hot chat. Hello. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess you, you work with what you have, and right now he's got an episode about playing pool, monologuing about how he wants to be the best in that horrible trumpet episode.
1: I can't wait for one where he's building model trains. I want to be the best at building model trains. You <laughs> you hear that? Man upstairs. Uh, again, I'm looking at my score, and it seems too high based on my memory of this episode. But I gave this one a six.
0: Yeah, this one's got four written all over it.
1: Yeah, that uh, you were texting me while I was trying to watch these episodes, talking about how much this block sucked. Yeah, it just for me, it was just consistently mediocre. Mm-hmm. Like, there's nothing really wrong with any of these. They're all just yeah. solid, kind of average Twilight Zones. Just, these are pretty crappy. But you really liked. Shelter. I like
0: shelter a lot. It's interesting. When we were going into this, you were reading some of the comments that people, one person in particular, said something to the effect of, beware, season three is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a minefield of stinkers.
1: And they also said that it was offensive towards fat people and something about a player piano. And now I wonder if they were talking about fats. Yeah. Because he refers to them to, as fats along, like, throughout the entire episode. keeps calling them fat boy. Yep. I don't know if that's what that, that guy could be was the, talking about. Yeah, and
0: then maybe the player piano bit is completely separate. Yeah. At least I have that to look forward to.
1: That's going to be the highlight of season three. Yeah. All
0: right, Ben. Well, thanks for slogging through those five episodes with me, at least in
1: spirit, if not in person. And now it's free for everybody to watch along. So if you've listened this far, keep going with us. And, and if, if you haven't, you can go back. Go back and watch some good episodes. (laughs) We'll let you know if there's any good ones coming up, but we cannot promise anything.
0: In the meantime, thanks for tuning in. Uh, Leave comments, subscribe on iTunes, and all that good stuff. And uh, we'll see you next week. (laughs) Now I'm going in the Twilight Zone. Is that the theme song that we use? Golden E ring?